Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Jessica Zimmerman, author of Sleeping with a Stranger. And if you want to learn how to connect with the best, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I'm your host, Travis Chapel. Today, I'm sitting down with Jessica Zimmerman. Jessica survived a childhood car crash that took the life of her only sister. And she knew even then that she couldn't waste her life. And after meeting her husband at the University of Arkansas, she returned to her hometown and built a successful wedding floral design business called Zimmerman Events that grew alongside her three young children. When her husband fell tragically ill, Jessica realized that she had to be, she had to begin earning more than just the quote-unquote fun money. And she transformed her zero profit events company into a seven figure business all while caring for her ailing husband. Today, Jessica teaches her students and followers how to set healthy business boundaries, invest in themselves and create businesses and lives that they love. Her work has been featured in People, Business Insider, Entrepreneur and Forbes. And she is now the author of the new book, Sleeping with a Stranger. This is going to be such an interesting conversation, guys. I can't wait for you to tune in and listen. But first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know how important it is to have a podcast, you know how beneficial it could be for your brand, whether that's for uh, building deeper relationships with your audience or, or even building an audience to begin with or building credibility and authority in your field or getting book deals or getting on stages, whatever 
the case may be, you know it's important, but you just don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure out how it all works, then have me and my team build it for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there and we'll jump on a phone call to see if we would be a good fit to build out a show for you. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, ma'am. So obviously a lot to go in here on your story. So let's go ahead and start at the very beginning. Talk to me about like 10, 11, 12-year-old Jessica. What were you up to back then? Like you mentioned, I was in a car accident when I was three and my sister passed away. And then I, you know, I was just, I was left. It was me. And I was the only surviving child. And, you know, many, many, many years later, I learned in therapy that that day I emotionally aged about 10 years. Hmm. When I learned that, that made so much sense to me because growing up, I always felt a little misunderstood, out of place, you know, things that bothered me as a 12 year old, you asked about being, you know, um, 11, 12 years old. I remember I had my very first boyfriend and his name was Josh. And I, I mean, I loved this boy as much as a 12 year old hearts could love a human being. Mm -hmm. And um, this was my first time, you know, loving something other than, or loving someone other than, you know, family. Sure. I mean, as, as much as I could love someone I did. And, you know, I, I couldn't understand why everyone around me was, you know, that was the time where you had a new boyfriend every week. You know, it was, you you didn't really care about the person. (laughs) You just, you know, you broke up and went out and broke up and went out. And I just so I just really genuinely cared about this person. And that was kind of one of the first experiences of really going, okay, I think really differently about this than than my peers do. And then, you know, even getting older in high school, I would I did all the sports because that's what, you know, it was kind of I live in the South. It was kind of the script that was handed to me. That's just what you do. You play the sports. And I kind of started towards the end of high school just dropping them one by one. And my coaches wondered, like, what are you doing? And I just kind of realized, you know, there's nothing. This is, listen, I'm five foot three. I live in Conway, Arkansas. I'm not going to be a professional athlete. <laughs> and so what? why am I wasting all this time doing this? And I, I started to get really interested in, in what people were doing in my school. And I went to a big school. I graduated with over 700 people. You know, I was kind of starting to get interested in like, wow, there's people that I've really never talked to, which is shameful to say, but who play an instrument and they're going to get to play that instrument for the rest of their lives. And that's really amazing and fascinating. I began to get really fascinated with people who were involved in activities that they could use for their entire life and not just this small chapter. Anyway, I just knew that I wanted to live this big life. I felt like I was the spared one Um, my sister Courtney died. I survived. It was almost my duty to live this big full life. Mm -hmm. And the only way I really knew how to do that was to own my own business, you know, because I wanted to be in control of my time. I wanted to be able to choose my schedule and, you know, if, and when I had children one day, because back then I didn't know if I ever would, but I thought, gosh, if I ever am a mom, I want to be able to be a present mom but I also want something that is mine. It was almost, to be completely honest, Travis, it was emotional insurance. Mm. If I have a family and we get in a car accident and they all die, what's left? Mm. I thought, well, if I have a business that's mine, 
I at least have that. Yeah, where you're pulling your identity from multiple multiple sources and not just from the fact that you're a mom or something right. like that. Absolutely. How young were you when you decided that was the path that you wanted to go down? Oh, I was very young, very, very young. I would say when I was eight or nine years old, I knew that I wanted to own my own business. And I oh, remember, wow. okay. I remember when I said that, which I didn't even really, I don't even know if I could articulate those words own my own business, but I knew I wanted to work for myself, call the shots kind of thing. I knew I didn't want a boss or whatever, but I remember in junior high telling my best friend, I think I'm going to own my own business one day. And she said, Oh, Jess, I don't think you'll ever do that. And to be honest, anyone who knew me, I mean, any, anyone who knew me in high school would never in a million years guess that I would be where I am today. I mean, I was never going to be the one that got voted most successful or hardworking or most driven Yeah, because I really kind of kept all that stuff hidden. Yeah. So talk to me then about the transition going from high school into eventually starting your own business. Like, do you remember the first business that you started? Yeah. So I graduated college and I just knew that I wanted to own my own business. So I went and I learned from a couple who owned a successful business in the town that I lived in, Conway, Arkansas, and they owned a kitchen store and it was very successful. And I just went to them and I said, you know, I just, I want to own my own business one day and I want to learn from you guys. They were literally the only two people I knew who owned a business. So I went to them and they, you know, took me under their wing and I worked there for five years with the intention of buying that business. And yeah, the year that I was going to buy that business was the same year. Uh, It was uh, 2008, which we all know what happened in 2008, the housing market crisis. And so it was interesting when we went to get the loan, they just, they, they, they seemed so unsure, so unsure. And I mean, this business proved that it could more than support the loan. And we just couldn't understand. And they just said, listen, everything's different now. Had this yeah. been three months ago, we could have given you this loan and then some. <laughs> but but now we can only give you, if this whole business goes belly up, what can we get out of the inventory? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a small mom and pop, you know, kitchen store. Hmm. It, there's not, you know, there's probably no more than a hundred grand worth of inventory in there at a time. You're constantly reordering and restocking. Yeah. And so I thought, and then of course they take that and they divide it basically in half <laughs> yeah. and they, cause they're thinking wholesale or how can they get rid of it? And I mean, that just wasn't going to cut it. And so I remember I left because I said, I can't, that's one thing that I'm actually pretty good at that. I've always been pretty good at is if this is no longer serving me, I'm not going to stay. That's something that I've always, and I think that stems from my sister's death and realizing life is short. And people say that all the time, but I really know that, you know, to yeah. my core. And so I left and I would, I went to a Christmas party. It was around the, the holidays. And I, my husband and I had just gotten back from Napa Valley on our four-year wedding anniversary. We had brought home a nice bottle of wine. I was drinking it. I was on my third glass. I was, you know, basically we drink for two reasons, to drown our sorrows or to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so I was drowning my sorrows. And a lady comes up to me who owns an event rental business called a Southern Tradition. And she said, hey, I know you'll probably never leave the kitchen store, but I really am wanting to retire and stay home with my grandchildren. And if you wanted to, I'd love for you to come work for me for a year and then buy my business. And so my fourth glass was, you know, with a toast. (laughs) Back back to celebrating, yeah. Yeah, back to celebrating. And so (laughs) I worked for her for a year, bought her business, and then I was off to the races. 
I mean, I listen, I failed miserably for a good five years. And how, and how, how old were you at that point? I was 28. Okay, got it. So 28, you get your first business. And, and this is where in the, in the bio that things start going south with your husband's health. Is that right? Yeah. So it was 20, well, no, that was 2015. I guess it was 20, it was 2011 when I bought the business. Okay. And those first four years, I did, honestly, Travis, I did what I really believed was right. I don't think anyone goes into owning their own business with the, with the intention of working themselves to death or, or, you know, killing themselves or anything. I think I genuinely thought and believed what I was told, which was things like, yeah, you just don't bring home a paycheck for five years. Um, if you can survive five years, then you'll, and you don't, you know, like fold, then your business will survive. You know, you got to, business owners work half days. You got to choose which 12 hours of the day and and (laughs) do that. I just believed all those things. And I thought everything that I was doing was really for the benefit of the business. You know, I decided to buy a building versus rent. Well, that's great. It was also $1,500 a month more. Mm. Plus, you know, you've got taxes and you've got all this stuff on top of it, property taxes. And, um, you know, even just things like it, the website needed to be desperately updated. Well, that mm-hmm. also cost thousands of dollars. You know, I mean, just, I thought I was doing right, but I had no spending plan. I didn't have the right employees. I just wasn't set up for success. I mean, sure. this business would bring in 30 grand a month, but it would spend 29.5. And then the yeah. next month it would spend 31. And and so I just, would, there was never anything to show for it. Yeah, which a lot of times is worse than not doing anything mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're just mm-hmm. spinning your wheels and not getting any results, right? So Absolutely. Um, what was the catalyst to turn things around in that business? So I had my daughter in August of 2013. And about when she was about eight months old, I came home. It was you know probably eight o'clock at night. And my mom was home with her and I reached out for her and she didn't want me. And of course she didn't want me. I was never home. And the mm. whole reason why I went into business for myself was to be able to have this freedom to spend my time the way that I wanted to. That was really the moment where I was like, okay, this is not why you went into this. So mm. you, yeah. you've got to figure it out. I knew that I was a smart person. I've never, honestly, Travis, I've never met anyone more driven than I am. I mean, I have a drive like a dog with a bone. If I want something, I'll do it. I I ran a half marathon a couple of years ago with no training. Yeah. I hadn't run more than like two miles. And I think I did that once. And I ran a half marathon just out of sheer determination. And so I knew I could do it, but I had to buy myself some time. So I figured out, okay, my expenses, you know, to keep the business running is about 15 grand a month. If I can buy myself four months, you know, of time, I knew, I figured out I needed about a hundred grand to keep the business afloat while also getting as much education as I could. Hmm. And so I went so that, to the- So that was step one then? Step one yes. was education? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Because I just knew, I, I thought- this can't be that hard. Yeah, right. Like it's not that you were incapable or not intelligent enough or unable to figure it out. It was just that you didn't have the right knowledge in front of you, obviously, or else you would have implemented it before. When you know better, you do better. And I just didn't know better. I was doing the best that I knew how to do, Mm -hmm. but I just, I just knew that there were better ways. And so I went to the bank and I, my numbers were, you know, abysmal, but I asked for a hundred thousand dollar loan. And I remember, oh gosh, like it was yesterday, the loan officer who I still use today. He just looked at me. He looked at my numbers. He looked at me. He looked at my numbers and he said, 
I don't know why, but I believe you when you say you're going to turn this around. Like there is no reason why I should give you this loan. And I was like, I oh, know, um, but I, I guess I just was good at selling it, I guess. But he yeah. gave me that loan. And so when he did that, I said, I remember I stood up and I shook his hand and I said, when I make it and I continue to invest, I will only use you. And I have only used him. I mean, I am loyal to the core. Um, So I got that loan and I just did all the education I could. I went to workshops. I hired mentors and consultants. I remember just sitting with my CPA, learning how to, you know, learning what a budget was, a spending Mm -hmm. plan, um, learning how to properly, you know, price things. You know, I mean, man, what I was pricing uh, cause I was doing floral design and fresh flowers. I mean, you've got to really, you need to be at 40% cost, you know, or less. Mm-hmm. And I was at like 70. Wow. And so just things like that. I just didn't know. Cause I, I you know, I was in the phase that Instagram had started and it was like, well, my name's on it and it needs to be pretty. And it's like, no, that really doesn't matter. This is about, <laughs> you know what I mean? I needed someone really logical to come in and say, no, 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 this yeah. is what you need. I read books because I had time. I'd bought myself some time. So I read books about successful people and hmm. and um, just, just kind of anything I could get my hands on. And I turned it around pretty quickly. I mean, nothing was rocket science. It was actually really simple stuff. Let me give you one example of um, even... Uh, so in the state of Arkansas, when you, when you have a wedding, let's say the wedding isn't until November, but you start working with that couple in January. And they pay you every month, January, February, March, April, they'll, they'll pay you, you know, let's just say a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The taxes for that wedding aren't taken out until after the wedding is finished. So interesting. they're not going to be taken out until December. I didn't know this. So all that money that they paid me January through November, I'd spent it. You know what I mean? And yeah, so then right. December comes around and they ask for that tax money. And I'm like, oh. Um, you know, so just even the simplest of things of, of getting a reserve account, like having your, having your main account and your reserve account to where every time that tax money comes in, you just put it to the side because it's not your, you don't need to see it. It's not mine. Yep. Exactly. I can't can't spend, can't spend Uncle Sam's money. He doesn't like it. Exactly. It was just, it really, everything was actually really simple. It was what I like to call the foundation of business. It was just building the foundation. Once you have a good foundation, you can grow that thing as tall as you want to grow it. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters 
is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need hire, you need Indeed. Sure. So talk to me then about along this path, along this timeline here, where did your husband start having some health issues that made you really like get, get introspective and start and start owning those parts of your business? So a year, uh, about 15 months after my daughter was born, okay. I find out I'm pregnant with twins. Now, let me just say that there was no fertility drugs involved. Twins do not run in our family. I was shocked. <laughs> I was not happy. Yeah. I was scared out of my mind. I knew how hard one baby was. I could not imagine two. In and addition to the one that you already had. In addition to the one I already had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I mean, she was she was fifteen months old. You know, right. I can't, you know they are. The, she she was not even two years old when they were born. Wow. Um, people like to ask you. They're like, "Was well, she so much help?" You know, when the boys were born, I was like, she wasn't even two. Like, no. Right. She just learned how to walk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, she, she couldn't crazy. do much. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had them. My husband was a financial advisor. He worked off of commission and he was fully supporting us. I was still at a point where I was putting, you know, all the money kind of back into the business. Mm-hmm. And so I believe what happened is he, you know, kind of was internalizing that stress of like, oh, crap, we've now doubled in size, this family. And Jess isn't bringing home money. And now we've got, I mean, it was just the expenses of three kids all of a sudden is a little crazy. And he got really ill. And it, I basically knew that, I mean, he was in and out of the hospital just constantly. And I thought, there's no way he's going to keep his job. There's no way. I mean, as a business person, it's nothing personal. It's just, if you can't do your job, they can't pay you, you know? And so it wasn't a matter of, of if it was just when, and that was really my first kind of reality of, okay, this isn't like fun and games anymore. This isn't you, you know, proving to yourself that you can have a business. Cause honestly, Travis, all I really cared about at that point was that I had my own business that I could say was my own business mm. and that maybe I could make an extra 25 grand or something where we could go on a couple of nice vacations. Yeah. You know, like right. it wasn't, I didn't need to make the, you know, the mortgage money. Sure. But now all of a sudden I was like, Oh crap, like he's going to lose his job. And this is actually now up to me. That's when I really, you know, basically out of fear, fear of losing him, fear of, you know, not having enough money, fear of him getting sicker, you know, all that. I kind of just went crazy in growing that business. And I did it. (laughs) But, (laughs) but it's, that's what you mentioned the book, Sleeping with a Stranger. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a, it was a several year period of just really documenting what was going on in my life personally while growing, you know, this seven figure empire. And I think, you know, there's a lot out there that's saying, 
if you just do this and this, you can make six figures and you can travel the world and you can da, 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 da. but it's like, okay, but what's really going on? Right. You know? Right. And so this for me is just a really honest and raw account of what was really going on. And what I really like about that is you don't ever give in to the excuses that you could have given into. There at any point along this story, you could have easily just pulled out the victim card and set it yeah. on the table. And probably the majority of people would have been like, yep, we get it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're excused. You know what I mean? You don't have to keep trying to do this thing. You don't have to keep trying to make this business work. You don't have to keep trying to do all the things that you're doing, you know, just downsize and weather the storm and life's just, you know, giving you lemons. And you know, when life gives you lemons, you just quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and, right, right. and that's the mentality that a lot of people adopt. But what I really like about your story is that even during all of that time, you didn't look at it as like, you didn't look at the current state of affairs and go, wow, I need to support my family. Guess I better give up this whole business thing and go get a job. You looked at it as like, I guess I better figure out this business thing so I can provide in epic proportions for my family, not just scrape by while my husband is in in and out of the hospital. And I just want to commend you for not not allowing the excuse narrative to take over and depict where your life was headed. And I think that that's a common denominator for any successful person is the ability to take radical responsibility for the things that happen in your life. Understanding that fault and responsibility are not the same thing. It wasn't necessarily your fault that those things happened. It definitely wasn't your fault that you got in a car accident when you were a kid and and your sister passed away. Those things aren't your fault, right? right? But it is a responsibility that you have to take and say, okay, now that I'm accounting for these things, where do I go from here? And how do I handle the the challenges that life has put in front of me? And uh, the, the the ability that you had to really like to shine through those moments instead of contract, uh, I think is is extremely commendable. So good for you on that. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the book writing process. I, I know you're doing a lot of different things. You're running the business and you got a family, you got a husband, and yet you still found the time to be able to write and publish a book. So can you talk to me about that process for you? Yeah, so I, I had known that this would be a book for years. I mean, I, I remember, I guess, gosh, it was 2016, um, 2017 maybe, that I had this almost this vision of the book. And I remember telling my husband, Brian, one day I'm, we're supposed to share this story. And just so you know, I mean, his illness was all kind of gastro. It's all stuff that no one wants to talk about. No one wants to hear about a 33 year old man, you know, having to wear depends, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is the most, the unsexiest illness or disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're, I believe the book opens up saying something like I was in my neighborhood Kroger and I looked down at my shopping cart. And there are, you know, uh, diapers for my newborn twins. There's pull-ups for my, you know, potty training toddler. And then there's a package of Depends. Like that is the lowest, you know, crappiest moment. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could possibly be. And I just was. And at the time, I, you know, I was 33. I was like, "Are you kidding? This is my life." And so, what that does to a marriage, what that does, you know, to a family or to to a person, to a to a soul. I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching, but I, I had always known, um, I guess a couple years into the illness, I said, I, I really believe that this is happening because you and I both are actually brave enough to share it. I, I, I got to give my husband a lot of props yeah. for allowing me to share this story. I don't know another man on the planet 
who would allow his wife to share this story. And he just felt very strongly about it because he said there was nothing out there for him, you know, to read when he was going through it. Anyway, so I, I felt at the, you know, at the kind of the fall season of 2019, you know, when you have an idea and it hits you, it like comes into your mind once a month and then it's like once a week and then it's like once a day. And then all of a sudden it's all day, every day. And you just can't shake it. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's what was going on. It was all of a sudden, all day, every day. It was like, write the book, write the book, write the book. And I got a call from someone asking me, saying they wanted me to do a TED talk. And they said, but listen, do you have, do you have a book? And I said, no, not yet. And um, they said, well, it's really great if you have a book, because after the TED talk, people want more Hmm. and you know, you can, you can sell your book. And that was almost like this, you know, message from God, you know, saying like, it's time yeah. to write. Yeah. And um, so I, I took six days off. I went and got a hotel because this was something that I needed to be completely, you know, focused on for six days. And I, I brought in um, an employee of mine named Rachel. We both sat in this hotel and I would write. I just wrote it chronologically from beginning to end. And after I was done with the chapter, I, we had a we had a Google Doc. I'd send it to her, and she would grammatically check it, you know, and all of that. And she mm-hmm. she knew me backwards and forwards, so she was able to go. I know what you're trying to say here, but it's not coming through that way. What if you said it this way? You know what I mean? She was able to kind of do stuff like that. After a week, I mean, the manuscript was done, and so we were able to then get it to an editor and go from there. But it was a process because I I chose to publish it myself. Okay. Um, I wanted to own the rights and do all that. And I just felt really strongly about that. And so it was actually really kind of cool and humbling at the same time to be the dumbest person in the room, you know, every, every day. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I totally get that. Let me ask you how you were, like what your marketing strategy was, because it's really impressive to be able to self-publish and then be a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. You know, a lot of people can do the Amazon bestselling thing, but Wall Street Journal, USA Today, like these are real, you know, real publication lists to get on. Uh, What was kind of the marketing strategy that you had behind the book? Money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's that's the best answer I've gotten for a question like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's money. Um, (laughs) the, The truth is, is that I am a long game player. Um, and I will bet on myself every day because Mm. I know that I'm going to do the work. Like I'm going to, I won't stop until it's successful. You know what I mean? So I am, I am willing to put my money where my mouth is and I'm willing to invest in people who can help with that marketing process. Now that doesn't mean you pay the Wall Street, that's not how that works, but you can pay people who have amazing access mm-hmm. to to readers, you know, who yeah. say who hey, have audiences to you want to push it for you. And so, you know, I mean, I'm talking cost me twice as much as my car costs me, you know, but right. I'm willing to do that because I believe that that is going to because I because I now have that title, Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller, I'm able to get on a lot more podcasts oh, and yeah. share about it. If it just said Amazon bestseller, nobody cares. You know what I mean? Right. But because we have that, we're able to get, our foot is able to get in the door a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. It's almost, it's it's like an epic business card. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's such a better way to be like, here's my story rather than giving you like a little card that has your phone number on it. You know, like you can be like, here's my Wall Street Journal bestseller about my life. You know, yeah. this is such a, such a huge credibility boost. You know, and somebody asked me, does that not feel weird in some way or like dishonest in some way? And I go, absolutely not. I mean, you market, you're always going to pay for marketing. So whether I pay someone, you know, a thousand dollars a month to get me on as many podcasts as possible, or I'm paying for an ad, or I am paying for, you know, a Facebook ad or, or a print ad or a Google ad or whatever it is. This was actually really smart because it was money that was, that was, got a result really quickly hmm. because right. we strategized it correctly. Well, I strategized it to where all of these lists could be, you know, targeted at the same time. And, you know, and we did genuinely get, you know, uh, close to 10,000 sales. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Pe- people have this weird... And they paid money. We didn't give it away for free. They paid right. money. Yeah, yeah, people have this weird disbelief that, or that this weird belief that says that if you spend money on something, it somehow makes it less of an achievement, and that's just not the case. Like literally, it's called marketing. That's what marketing yeah. is: is getting yeah. attention to something that you're passionate about creating. You know, that's totally. that's the only reason for marketing. And there's, and, it's, and I'm in the consecration space, obviously, as well, being being in podcasting and things. And it's just so funny how many podcasters and 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 authors and consecrators are so opposed to spending money. Like they they look at it as being less than for some reason. It's just like, no, <laughs> you, like, how do you right. expect people to, to, to hear about it? Like the only other way to, to just blow up is if you get really, 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 really lucky. Right. You know, it's not Absolutely. even about the material of the book or how awesome the content is because a lot of times it just isn't the right timing or, or things just aren't going the right way. You know, right. what I mean? so you're not going to have a Mark Manson type of a situation if you're writing a book, probably. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you just, it's also really difficult to, I mean, the world we live in today, there is, so, I mean, you've got to get it, get through. You have you know? to cut through the noise, right? You've got to cut through the noise and yeah. you've got to pay to play. I mean, yeah. even, you know, I, I was speaking to someone the other day, a friend of mine who used to own a magazine and I was, I, you know, she was just asking me about this process and she goes, oh yeah, I used to have to pay you wouldn't believe how much money to Barnes and Noble every month to get my magazine on the, it was between the fourth and second row or something. It wasn't even on the first row. It was just like, you got to pay this money and we'll put you on the second, third or fourth row or something like that. I mean, everybody pays to play. And um, like I said, barring the lucky people. And if you talk to those people, by the way, they'll admit that a lot of it is luck. Like it's just a matter of some, like if you look at somebody like Joe Rogan's podcast, right? Absolutely. That is a little bit luck. I'm not taking away anything from Joe Rogan. I think he's a really hard worker and he obviously put in, you know, a decade of work before he even started his podcast or more than that in comedy and in fear factor and TV hosting and MMA and all that stuff that he did that was enabling him to have like at least a little bit of a platform to start with. But a lot of it was timing and luck. And if you talk to the guy, he would probably say the same thing. That's why yeah. nobody's duplicated what he's done. Everybody and their Absolutely. mom wants to start a podcast and be the next Joe Rogan, but right. nobody actually does it because some of it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of timing mixed with a lot of hard work and perseverance. Right. And uh, I think people sometimes just, they, they just hope that their stuff is just going to be that good to where they're going to hit publish and then millions of people are going to buy it and find it in the next three months. And it's just not the case. And it's Here's not the other duplicatable thing. at all. Is I feel like I'm pretty smart about this. Is okay. Could I sell ten thousand 
copies on my own? Maybe, but it might take me 10 years yes, of exactly. every day, right. constant hustling. Right. And I'm like, you know what? If I can pay this money and get that done in a couple weeks, right? and then, I mean, think how much time that has saved me. Yep. And that time is my biggest motivator. Right. And th- yeah, think about how many people in 10 years from now are going to be possibly doing business with you or doing a like big deal with you or something because you invested that money right now. Whereas if it took you 10 years to reach the same amount of purchases or readers, then how much more delayed would all the other after success be from the book? You know what I mean? Like that, everything just keeps delaying. Yes, absolutely. I, I can't, I can't tell you this yet because it hasn't been made public. Okay. Um, but in three months, I will have made all that money back and then some because oh, of something perfect. that has that is in the works due to it being on that list. Yeah. Perfect. You know what I mean? Well, very well said. Yep. Yep. I totally, totally get what you mean. It's just a way to shrink the timeline because, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's this constant balance between we have all the time in the world and we don't have that much time. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like when you look yeah. at life in general, life is short. We don't have that much time. But we also have to be patient and play the long game and understand that these moves are 10-year moves. They're not right. six-month moves. And so exactly. we look at the 10-year approach and think about what can come from this in 10 years from now. All of a sudden, money starts to become irrelevant and starts to become, you know, you start looking at the the phrase, a lot of money, like quote, unquote, a lot of money as a completely different sum of money. Because $50,000, if you look at it intrinsically right now, over the course of the next 30 days, $50,000 might be a good amount of money. But $50,000 over the course of 10 years is not a lot of money. You know right. what I mean? Like nobody could live off 50 grand for 10 years. Absolutely. Unless you like live in, in you know, a third world country or something. Yeah, like, totally. Like, it, you just have, if you start looking at the decisions in a long-term way, the money starts to just diminish in its value and the time only increases in its value. So I love that you brought that up. 100%. Um, Listen, I, I, we could keep talking again. I, I keep, I feel like I keep saying this in all my podcast episodes, um, but I feel like we keep talking for a really long time, Jessica. So if I don't put a clear stop on it, we'll probably just be late into the evening hours having a good conversation. But <laughs> I, I do want to ask this question because we haven't talked about that much about networking uh, uh, this far into the show. Uh, and we usually spend a good amount of time on it. But I do want to ask you this question because it's the one I ask all my guests that have ever come on. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important, Jessica, and why? Well, I think who you know. And why is that? I think who you know, because I think that what you know is important. Listen, if you feel confident, I think confidence is a huge thing. I mean, just like, just like I said earlier, I went into that, you know, bank appointment (laughs) with, I should not have gotten that loan, but I was very confident and I was able to sell myself and I got the loan. You know, what I know is important, but I do think, you know, who, you know, I mean, for example, with this book launch that we were just talking about, I mean, there's no way that I could have, I don't have, listen, my organic reach is only so much. Mm -hmm, Right. I need help to get, you know, this thing out even further. So that is all about who, you know, who, you know, who can, who can give you a referral, who knows a guy who then knows another guy, you know, it is, it's like a trail. I think that, you know, people buy from people. I think that, that the human relationship, even though we do so much, you know, online and via zoom and all of that, I think that there's still a human connection that is really important. And when people feel that from you, they're willing to work for you. Yeah, I totally love that. Um, and we agree so, on, on so many different aspects there. What would you say is a relationship in your life that's mattered to you in a business sense? Like something, like like a relationship that you cultivated without the intention of ever receiving anything in return, but it ended up paying off really big. 
Oh gosh. So I went to a workshop. Um, uh, when was this? 2017, I guess. And I went, her name's Erin Benzikane and she owns a company called Florette Flower. Listen, I already knew at this point how to make a bouquet, how to make, I used to have a flower business. I don't know if mm-hmm. I mentioned that, but <laughs> I like a wedding floral design business, mm-hmm. but I, I knew how to make a bouquet. I knew how to make a boutonniere. I wasn't going to I, listen. I believe that you can always learn more, but I was going because I respected this woman in business. And I knew that it, at the end of day three, that there was going to be a dinner and that she was going to be sitting down at that dinner. And that whether I was sat next to her or not, at some point, the person beside her was going to get up and go to the bathroom. And that was my way in. Mm-hmm. And um, and that happened. And I sat by her. And I, I think I was the first student she ever had that didn't ask her anything about flowers. I asked her business questions only. And I think that that impressed her. And I never expected anything to come from that other than just, I wanted her to know who I was. And I wanted, if the day ever happened where I needed advice, that she would remember me. Sure enough, a couple years later, I needed advice. And I messaged her on Instagram. And I said, would you be willing to give me, you know, like five minutes of your time? I will pay you. She immediately messaged me her number, said I have time now. I called her. She gave me an hour of her time for free. Just advice after advice after advice. Mm -hmm. And I actually say in the acknowledgments of my book, which is nothing about business, but just kind of what was going on behind the scenes personally while building this empire. But I say in the acknowledgments, I say, you know, you gave me that and I I promise to pay that forward. Yeah, I love that. So many takeaways here, Jessica. It's been such an awesome conversation. Before we wrap up, where can everybody go find a copy of your book? Well, it's where wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but you can go to um, jessicazimmerman.com and you can obviously get links to the book and you can, you know, get a link to my podcast and links to, you know, my trainings and all that all that good stuff. I'm known for my tough love education, Travis. I I shoot it straight. Love it. Love it. So if you want some (laughs) of Jessica's straight shooting advice, then make sure to go to jessicazimmerman.com. Zimmerman is Z-I-M-M, two M's in the middle there. Zimmerman, Z-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N. Jessicazimmerman.com. Go check out her book, pick up a copy for yourself, and uh, be sure to connect with her and say thank you for the time that she spent with us here today on the show. Jessica, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the show. Had a fantastic time chatting with you. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.